What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and we have a familiar face on the podcast today, but before I introduce him, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor once again, Charlie Hustle. Been with us from the jump. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more or swoop up your very own Charlie Hustle shirt at fundamism.com. What's good? Meaningful conversations with others. That's what's good. Learn more at fundamism.com. Today's guest is a close personal friend and frequent guest of the Fundamism Podcast. We got Larry Perez back on the fun line. What's good, Larry? What's up? <laughs> what is good? My it's friend. all good. What is you good? already know, man. <laughs> uh, so Larry's in the middle of some serious business right now. We caught wind that there is somebody out there on this planet selling a calendar leveraging Larry Perez's imagery. And for any of those that are tuning in that have created something, put your heart and soul into something, and only to have somebody take it and use it as their own, you know that that's a, that's a no-no, Larry. That's a no-no. How does it make you feel? I don't know. So, you know, I'm flattered a little bit. Are you? No, that's not <laughs> I, mean, I, I really should be. <laughs> you should yeah, be. Yeah, I should be. I mean, but it happens. It happens. What does? What do you do? I mean, things like that. It happens. People are, you know, we're talking about, we're going to talk about creativity. Today. Are we? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you have an agenda? Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> do have an agenda. Um, and that's, th- this is a great example because a lot of people just don't know where to find their own. Yeah, for you know, sure. Create their own. Yeah. And I think it boils down to um, that when you find something, that somebody's doing well, you appreciate it. And as such, because maybe you're not as good at it, you have to showcase others that are. And so that kind of, it kind of segues nicely into one of the whole reasons why this is going on in your life right, right now is because you are really, really great at something that we haven't talked about before. And it's something that at one point in time you did for fun and you still dabble with. So as you know, the format, what do you do for fun? As it pertains to this particular issue, what fun thing that you do? <laughs> well, first off, I'm a creator. There I guess that's where we start. But I, I have for the last, basically since 2005-ish, six maybe, I um, have been dabbling hard in photography. And uh, it has led me all over the place. And it's just been this journey of all kinds of crazy creation and, and fun. That's what, so when we got connected and many of you guys have heard the story through a mutual connect that we had and we bonded over, you know, social styles and your uh, affection for web design, of course, because you're really good at that as well and have a strong love for it and are super good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I got to go to your website that hasn't been updated in years, was one of the first first forays into you and the experience of you. And when I went to, what is that website? Does it even exist anymore? Yeah, it's still LarryPerez.com. LarryPerez.com. The imagery on that particular site was just mind-blowing to me. I mean, you are, when you talk about a creator, you are phenomenal in the photography space. So tell us about your journey uh, in photography. How did you get there? Yeah, Okay, so well, I'll back up a little bit before that. Actually, I um, 
uh, I was in a space where I was doing the corporate America thing. I, I it was 20 years of that. And, um, I thought, okay, that's where I'm going to retire. You know, you, you, you build a fam, you have a family, you, you're married, have children. You kind of have this idea in your head that, you know, you've got to be the white picket fence, all of these things, right. That are outlining the American I can't dream. Picture you in a right. white picket fence. Listen, <laughs> Armani suit, Mont Blanc. Can, you did? Can you afford it? Mont Blanc. I mean, you just, had all that? Yeah, I had, you know, my, Park Avenue, Allen Edmonds, polished like what? I mean to the T. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not count, Countess Maritize when they were popular, shopping on the plaza, all that crap, you know. Right, right, what? right. Yeah, no joke, dude. I knew so, a time where you didn't shave for two straight years, I, and I still feel homeless. <laughs> but but you know what? I, I was in that. I did that for God. It was 20 years, and then my mom. She was. Um, she was on her deathbed. So this was in 2005. Like, I was super down on my luck. And um, I had, uh, basically, I just lost everything. And uh, it all started with the divorce and, and that kind of thing. And um, I ended up getting sole custody of my three kids. And, um, yeah, it, that it just started. And my sister and my mom were together a lot because my mom was, you know, going through her last days with cancer and my sister uh was a professional photographer and uh so I was down in Wichita and visiting them and um uh, and my mom says you know uh you need to get back to to art like you've always been a super artsy creative kid and uh I told you know I was the guy with all the excuses all the answers they just turned out to be excuses <laughs> right so I uh I uh, told my mom, I'm like, you, you can't make any money uh, doing that. You can't make a living uh, doing artwork. And, Not and, with that attitude. Right, can. right. You're exactly, <laughs> and my sister's sitting there too. And she's like, you know, and she kind of, she in her mild-mannered way, uh, basically says, well, this is what I made last, uh, last month. And, and I looked at that and I was like, good Lord, that's, that's twice the amount of money I was making, right? Working 20 years to get to some certain level. and That's your sister? My sister. What does she? Yeah. So, so she's she, doing she, photography. Yes. At this time, she was doing photography. She, she had just, I think she was maybe three, two to three years in at that time. And uh, so my brain, I was focused on money. So my brain said, sis, send me your price list. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to put my business name on there and I'm going to go. And um, it took me a year actually to do it after that, after my, because my mom passed away, uh, you know, within a few months, I, it was May, May of 2005. And so it took me about a year and I had met this gal and she basically encouraged me, like, you just, you need to go do what you want to do. And man, that's like music to my ears because I always wanted to do those things, but I, I always wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I was always just, I realized right then I was always doing what I wanted to do as much as I could within the confines of somebody else's guidelines and rules and, and, and all so of long as right. it fulfilled your lifestyle. With right. The- yeah. And along the way I had to fulfill everybody else's lifestyle sure. by doing shit for them. Right. Yeah. And, and I, it just dawned on me. It was like, I, I have to do this. And I did. I, I, <laughs> I invested like 800 bucks and I bought a camera and, and I, I didn't look back. 
It was like it was a, a completely a, a complete new entry into this brand new world of creativity. I had never picked up a camera before. I I was just like mesmerized with this thing and uh, very grateful for my mom uh, for that, like her encouragement through that and just telling because she's always been like my number one supporter, always encouraging me, always like you know you're using your energy. Larry, in this way, maybe you could, we could consider using it a different way. <laughs> this was the way that she raised me, right? It all makes with, sense. With kid gloves. And uh, so take it, a, take it a step yeah. back. You said a couple of things that uh, before we get into uh, now what you do with this $800 camera. Yeah. So first of all, I heard you say something that I've never heard you say in my life. You said, I was down on my luck. Yeah. At that time, obviously, that was a that was that was a definition that you that you hadn't defined yourself, luck, right? And so, what does down in your luck mean at that time? You you hadn't really experienced um, energy and your current philosophy in right. life. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, it's accurate. So, what I mean by that is when you have an ego. Uh, you you really kind of start to think that you're invincible. Shh. Things just happen for you. Yes. You know, and and I got used to that. Maybe it was a little bit of being spoiled. I was talented in in the business I was in. Whatever I I was following the rules. I don't really know. All I know is that I somehow ended up with a massive ego. And uh and sometimes when you're struggling, you look up and there's nobody there to stroke it. Because those people are not your friends. I, I mean, heard these, that. Yeah. I mean, these, these are, good Lord. Uh, these, they, they are not your friends. They, you know, it's a social, it's a status thing that you, you know, when you're, when you're in that world, it's about status until you don't have a status anymore. And, uh, you know, so in, in that world, a lot of times they don't really realize that people go through things and they're and they truly are having difficulties and they are you know and you they don't care for, for the sure. most part for the most part I, I I did have a couple people that really cared about about what I was going through but still even then there was a bit of distance there when when there was a, a lot of closeness prior to that and um, so in that moment when the stuff is quote unquote happening to you and you're down on your luck yeah. Right now, if we were to have that same discussion, you'd be like, "Bring it." Well, yeah, yeah. and and I'm creating this, or this yes. is a mirror of you yes. know. So, but back then you weren't as uh, evolved yeah. uh, and enlightened. I was unconscious. You were unconscious. Yeah. yeah, somebody needed to knock me out, and I think that was what that time frame is what knocked me the fuck out. Like, I mean, you don't listen, I will make it so you do, kind of a thing. Yeah, and so. And that's what happened. Um, I was completely left brain, so everything had to just be a certain way, and, and I wasn't flexible. And I still have s- struggles at times with the whole flexibility thing. But um, after that point in time, so it was January 2005 when all of that really started to affect me personally inside the way I was navigating life, the decisions I was making. The the um, I just knew. I, I wanted a way out, and and I was tired of fighting. And I think you know when you, you when you can't help it anymore, and you and you fall, you you 
somewhere along the way in the fall, you just decide that you're going to let yourself fall. Yes. And I had to do that. And, and, and I'm glad that I ha- that happened. And, and during that fall, I'm sure that it, you were somewhat comforted by the fact that you had someone in your life at the time that was, that was helping you through that, which was your mother. And obviously showcasing a spotlight on your skill set. She said specifically, you've always been an artistic kid. What did that look like? How did it manifest itself growing up? Um, okay, well, class. <laughs> At school, it manifested itself every day. So I was the kid that was drawing, and that was all I like wanted to do. Like in bag, you're drawing yeah. penises? No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I have been known to do things like that. That's more on the graffiti thing. Older, you know. <laughs> Teenage years kind of thing. But prior to that, it was always aliens. Like, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I thought I was an alien. Really? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty I sure mean, you might be, I, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I am, actually. I was just telling a friend of mine that the other day. He was kind of prod me about, dude, are you sure you're not like an extraterrestrial? And I'm like, that's a good question. How do you define yeah, it? Yeah, how, <laughs> how do you define that? No. Uh yeah, it was in. I was constantly in trouble at school. My best friend, he's here. We've been best friends since I was basically like eight years old, and so he can attest to a lot of this horseshit that I used to do. But I was just that kid that was like, uh, I didn't care about being taught anything. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I and I lived my life like that. Like I said, in in the construct of what other people uh, would allow. But I pushed envelope all the time, and, and art was one of those ways that I did it. Um, creativity. Music was another way that I did it. But, uh, yeah, so it really started there. And my, and my mom always, you know, she recognized it. They, um, it was so bad to a point that they thought, you know, I think this kid needs to go see a psychiatrist. Like, he's not paying attention in school. He doesn't care. He's not listening at home. All he wants to do is draw and, you know, and all of these things like that. And I'm like, this is me. This is what I, this is what I feel good doing. See, now they just throw you on medicine. I know they do. Yeah. They tried that crap. Did they for real? They did. Yeah, they put, I don't know what the little orange pill was, but it was the one. In, that was the last time that I, uh, that I, um, uh, took medication. Yeah, you haven't so, taken medication. No, since? I don't. I'm not a believer in medication. I, I just no, I don't. Wow. And yeah, and, I mean, we know. I know that you don't go to the doctor. No. Yeah. No, I, I don't subscribe to that stuff. I don't. My mom, my okay. I was born in a third world country. For those of you that are listening, I, I was born in the Philippines, and so back then, so this was 1968. It, it was a little bit different then, and my mom you know, was brought up third world. Like, you know, her introduction to the medical industry really came uh, a little shortly after I was born, going to medical school over there so that we could come here to the United States. And um, But still, even she was in that whole medical thing, and she would always tell me when I'm sick, you know, your your body is going to do what it's supposed to do. You, you, you have to rest. You have to drink water. You have to rest. You have to let your body do what it's going to do. If at any point I feel like uh, you're not able to go through it, then maybe we'll go see a doctor. So really the only times that I went, I, I, I sprained my ankle. I got hit in the face with a baseball. I had to have stitches in my mouth. And um, I've never had surgery. Uh, so, other than the stitches, 
and 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 wisdom teeth, but I, I don't know what that's like. So, you know, because my mom raised me, she raised me that way. She was always like, you know, you, you have to let your body do its thing. And so that's my mindset. And I feel like works. I'm going through brain surgery every time I talk to you. Why? <laughs> You're doing it now. I'm I. <laughs> so you buy the camera. Yep. 800 bucks. Yep. This is after your mom's passing or before? No, after. Okay. A year after. Okay. So you buy the camera. Are you still employed by corporate America at the at the time? Uh, somewhat corporate America. I, I was employed by a, a small uh, uh, outfit in Topeka. Not a corporate corporation. It was just a, a family owned business. Cars. Yeah, cars. Okay. And um, and that's. I mean, you know. Again, I was looking for my way to do my own thing, and and I had basically force fed them into I will. I will come in here and I'll sell X amount of cars, but I get to come and go as I want. Okay. And and so I was really pushing the envelope then and, and it was working. You know, I'd I'd work fifteen to twenty hours a week, come in and just lead the sales board all the time. And uh I would always have to remind them, remember that our agreement is I can I can come and go as I want. I but you can sell more. <laughs> yeah, I I get that. I don't want to. Right. So I, I began to really start creating space for myself. And um, so I met this gal, and uh, she was super into photography. And so she— uh, Was she, Larry? Yeah, she was. She was, for real. Okay. And artistry, anyway. Okay. Creativity. Okay. Right. So, Jesus. Uh, and she was the one that basically just said, you got to do this. Because I was always talking about that. I was constantly talking about, I just need to do my own thing. I have to have my own thing. Like, I'm tired of everybody else's stuff. I'm, uh, the, my failure in life has always included other people. If I, if I was going to fail, I wanted it to, to be on my own. Sure. And, and that was a mindset I, I, was, I started to have then in 2006. And I just took off with it. So you got two revenue streams. You're doing photography as like a kind of a side hustle at the time, and you're still selling cars for roughly 15, 20 hours a week. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you decide to cut bait with the the car piece. Yeah. How'd you get there? It's like anything with anyone. You, you, you really do, when you don't know how much you need encouragement, uh, you, I needed to be encouraged to do it. Like, I needed to feel like uh, somebody believed in me. I don't know why. I just, I think it was just all the years of of that grooming, you know, you do a good job, you know, and you're always looking for that that uh, validation. And there was something about that. I, I, needed to, I needed to feel like there was some level of validation there or, or um, uh, encouragement. And I that got that. That That's, was that young lady? Yeah, yep. And she gave it to me. She just basically said, you need to do this because I know that you can, you know. And my left brain is weighing everything in and, and you know, the pros and cons, and I finally just had to let go and just do it. So you start doing it. And when I say that you have an eye for imagery, that in of itself wouldn't even be fair to say because, like, it is – Again, you go to LarryPerez.com and some of the images there are just phenomenal. I mean, unlike pictures that I've seen before, I know that you've done some really cool experiences with uh, homeless individuals. There's uh, imagery of like 
1960s-style household or cars. I, I remember specifically, I think there's this one gal in a, is it a blue dress, potentially. And the color scheme that you have is just, it's mind-blowing. It reminds me there's a show on Stars called American Gods. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you haven't, no. you need to check it out. It's just, it's different. So when you first started, I imagine that's not where you started. No. Where did you start? Uh, so I started, basically, I saw what my sister was successful with. And so I started shooting families and babies. Oh, fun. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> so this quickly. Were you the guy that was making the kids, the baby smile? Uh I never did that. Like I don't have a a skill level for that. Like I, I was being the squeaky I was the toy guy. guy no, I was the guy her. wanting the baby to shut up, right? Watching, and judging, I, look hey, at the listen, baby, look at the baby. I remember, like I'm, I'm like, and by this time I had been parenting my kid, my kids for on my own since 2000 and February of 2002. So I had learned a thing or two, right? <laughs> and uh, I am observing. And I'm like, man, I, I became more interested in, in um, observing people's parenting styles than I was shooting babies and Social families. styles. Social styles, right. <laughs> All, we're reaching way back. Yeah, we are. Um, but I'm like, man, you know, parents do not know how to communicate with their children. No. And... And they're laying this all on me, like, like, well, you're the professional, really? Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I just, I don't. Babies, families, not my thing. So I did that for like six months. I, I had really no levels of success, really, because I, I just wasn't in it. It wasn't my passion. It was a job. Just to showcase, like, what level of. Uh parenting like communication and style like an emotional connection to that particular um, that particular uh, environment you told me a story about Santa Claus and uh, your kids growing up and specifically maybe it was your sister's side of the family or something like that you were at a dinner one time and stuff went awry because <laughs> what is your what's your philosophy on Santa Claus because that's that's pretty. Uh, do you want to know? It's timely. I do. Okay. Yes. Well, all right. We start out lying to our kids. Okay. Okay. We flat out lie to them. I did it. I did it. You did. I'm guilty of it. But I realized on my second and third, I have twins that are younger. I don't think lying is a good way to start, right? And so this is after my divorce. This is 2002. I really, I think part of it was bitterness. Ah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna celebrate these traditions anymore. They're silly or whatever. But I really started thinking about that. But like, easy what you yes, say. Easy I know. what you say. I know. Here. I know. <laughs> we got listeners of I all know. ages. <laughs> Listen, I get it. And I understand. But we have also believers of all ages, oh, too. Oh, for sure. Like, for sure. Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm sitting there going, all right. Now, my left brain is kicking in going, does this make any sense to you at all? We start off, we lie to our kids. Okay, so we do it about respective holidays, right? Right. We'll just take Christmas, for instance. That's that. Maybe the Easter Bunny. That would probably be a little bit easier, right? We we this Easter Bunny exists, right? What exists after that is entitlement and attachment and expectation. Okay. And I, when I realized that, I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, and yeah. So that whole, I mean, it it it. 
It has evolved into we all do our own thing yes. for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. If we are together, which uh, a lot of times we are, there's no expectation there. Nobody's nobody's bringing anything, or or nobody's sad because they didn't get any. They didn't get per, you know somebody yeah. didn't bring them presents. presents it, it is truly yeah. about real presence, being present in the moment, be spending that time. Especially now that I'm an empty nester, it's like, and I have been for four years. It is more about presence now when I'm with these kids. I you know gifts and stuff are meaningless. When you cannot be present, for sure, yeah. And, and now so, you have a beautiful little granddaughter, yeah. And uh, I think to your point, knowing what I know about you and your children, it's really about uh, in that presence being appreciative of each other and the moments that we have with one another. Yes. So, so okay. So now you are transitioning. You've realized that capturing family moments uh, is not necessarily <laughs> something that you want to do. Where do you go from there? So, uh, and how are you working on your craft through all this? Because again, I think that oftentimes we're good at something, yeah. But you still have to work on it. You still have to grow and get yeah. better as a result. What are you doing to educate yourself uh, to capture imagery or or your creative brain a little better? So, I am of the school of self-taught. Um, I was using YouTube a lot uh, for little snippets of things. I, 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 I'm not one to take courses. I'm not one to, to go to class. I never have been going back to my stories about when I was in grade school, but little bits and pieces. I, I would come up with something in my mind about, you know, if, if I was, I, I want to be able to do something like this with an image. And I would try to find something as close to that, that could teach me the, the fundamentals of of a fun and uh, optimistic lifestyle. Oh, I right? see what no. you did right there. <laughs> F-U-N, people. That's a little marketing um, 101. So anyway, uh, I would go on and I would find these little things uh, that helped me craft my style. I was interested in in people that were just masters of their craft, but not. I didn't want to know everything about them. Sure. I wanted to know specific things about their work. So I would spend time looking at people's portfolios, um, things like that. And uh, almost goes to James's, James Krause's point of emulation and finding what people do well and some, learning through that, but not necessarily copying. No, it's, it, it, for me, it's not like that. I was, I was drawing Sorry, inspiration. I it's okay. <laughs> I was, I would draw inspiration from people's styles. Like you, I can see, I notice a distinct style when I see it. And then I know, I can see styles of photographers that are out there. It's like, ah, well, they they use Lightroom and and they you know to edit their photos and they this is really that's a really quick edit. Like I know when I see an image, I know when somebody has taken the time and and put forth their effort that turns into value. Okay. So I'm looking at these photographers that are doing phenomenal work, but on top of that, they had to have something that. Um, was unique to them. And so that's how I started to really develop like my style. I didn't want to look at everybody else's stuff and go, I can do that too. I wanted to look at people's stuff and go, how can I be inspired by that? And how can I find my way and, and turn my lights on, you know, creating my own style? And so that's what I did. I would just pick people's stuff apart and, and try to figure out what makes them unique. 
uh, in the way that they did it. It could be workflow. It could be uh, not necessarily the cameras or the equipment that they used because you can create pretty much anything with, I mean, any kind of the, the best camera that you have with you. Is, I mean, it's the one that you have with you. Yeah. And so... But I, I know just, people that just keep buying equipment. Yeah, I do. I do know those people too. I was one of them. Um, but I've actually scaled back, back to the very basics of just like a couple lenses and a camera body and um, where I just used to have literally thousands of dollars worth of equipment. It doesn't take that. Huh. Um, so anyway, I, I, I just always took myself through this process of trying to understand other people's perspectives. Yes. And... The UN Fund. Yes, the UN Fund. So you you now are through uh, the school of, of self-taught, I'm quoting you. Not through it, but I'm in it. <laughs> you're in it. Yeah. You're watching YouTube videos. Uh, you're inspired by other people's styles and to put spin on them in, to fit your own personal foundation and viewpoint on the imagery that you want to see. Yeah. How do you start... How does that start to manifest itself outside of these family portraits that you're doing? Action. Tell me more about um, that. So I started to really drill down the things that appealed to me. Um, music was always a big part of it. Art has always been a big part of it. I remember what my mom says. You know, you need to go back to your art, your art background. You've always been an artist. I don't want to be a photographer. I don't want to be a web guy. I didn't even necessarily want to be an artist. I just wanted to bring that art part of me, that creative part of me out. And it wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't as simple as just learning how to use the camera. It was learning how to communicate with people in, in that way. Even I'm, And I've got that background in communication styles. Um, but I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to, uh, what, the, what was the question again? It was how did it manifest itself outside oh, yeah. of the family portrait? So, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I brought in music. Presence. That was, yeah, that was the next thing. I'm, I'm very present <laughs> and I'm very aware. Just a little off right there. Um, so music was a big thing for me. So I brought that in. And how can I mix music with um, photography that was a little more on the artsy side? Yeah. And so I started shooting uh, in the music industry. Actually, the guy that gave me my first break, uh, his name is Kevin, and he was working for a radio station locally in town. Was it 98.9 The Rock? It was 98.9 The Rock. And so this goes back to 2007, somewhere in there, early 2007. Um, I actually had seen another guy in Topeka. He's a friend, good friend of mine now, Jason Dominguez, but I had watched him. I was at a... Uh, concert that was there and I was watching everything he was doing. I was like, man, I would love to do that. And so uh, I reached out to The Rock and um, and just asked him. I mean, you know, I'm from the school of you don't get anything unless you ask. Yes. So I did. I asked him and, and right out of the gate they were like, okay, well, let's see what you can do. So I did. And then uh, the next, the following year, um, I was doing uh Rockfest. I had met Johnny Dare at that point, and he had seen um, some of my photos and stuff that I could do, and we hit it off, became friends, and and he really was a huge, um, really helped me catapult into the music industry, and so 
he was really a great supporter of my work and um, always very encouraging, that kind of thing. And um, int- always introducing me to new people and just going, hey, this, you know, this guy, so-and-so is upcoming kind of thing or whatever. And just uh, really put his confidence into a lot of the things that I was doing. And uh, that just, it, that really opened up the door. I ended up doing a whole lot of stuff, even down to touring um, uh, hired shooter for Rolling Stone magazine and touring with Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney on their Brothers really? of Sun tours. Yeah, in, wow. in 2012. And um, so that was a fun, that was a fun experience, being able to just be a fly on the wall and, and uh, observe. Like, I love to observe. And so the creativity, everything was creative because I was in love with music and it was like, how could I... I mean, how can I top this? Like, right. This is this is really what I am meant to do: is document like real moments of things that are going on, whether it's connection with the crowd, or whether it's connection with the the the, the musician with their instrument, or whether it's whatever it is. There's always connections going on all around you, and so uh, I had done that, and and then by that time, I I was probably four or five years into. Um, one of the more main featured photographers for Rockfest, which is was at the time the the largest uh, one day music festival in the country, and um, so that developed into relationships, which developed into more opportunities, which really it kept going for a while, and um, I loved it. I loved every moment of that when I was doing it. Um, What's the most memorable? Uh, either concert or musical experience that you had, uh, either again on on tour or a concert, or what's the most one is one of the most memorable moments that you had while in that space? God, there's so many. Like there really is. I I don't I don't know that it's really uh, I could really choose one. I would have to say that just being in the environment. Uh, and giving people a perspective that they're not able to see. Um, I, from the very get-go, meeting Johnny, it, it, it was I was privy to shoot things that all the other hired photographers were not able to do. And I think that was the very moment that my light switch went on. And, and it was like this whole, you've got an opportunity to be completely different than sure. everybody else. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, validated your skill set, let you know that you were yeah, on the right path. Yeah, somebody had confidence. For Again, sure. it was that it's that encouragement. Yeah. You know, I, I I can remember distinctly. Johnny was asking me about you know my camera. He was happened to be a Nikon user, and um, we were sitting there talking. I was on one side of the fence, he was on the other, and so I was on the side of the fence that that everyone else, the other fifty thousand people, were on. He was on the other side of the fence, and all I could think about was, man. How do I do that? Right. And and I remember right when I was thinking that, he goes, hey, man, would you be interested? I've always wanted this shot uh, of me over, looking over 50,000 people, 50, people at the festival. Would you be willing to do that? And again, I come from the school of if you don't ask, you, you, you don't receive. And I said, if I can get from you a full access pass, I will do that and I will kill it. Yeah. And he he says, "Hang on, I'll be right back." He came back and he gave it to me. He had the confidence to do this. Never seen my work or anything for sure. And uh, 
I would have to say if I had a favorite moment, uh, it would be that one. I could see why. Somebody instilling confidence and and in and having belief in me and I honestly had no fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I wasn't going to squander that. It, it, it's a, it's an, it was an opportunity that I, re, I took seriously when, when, they, when he came back and he said, here you go, have at it. The cool thing about what you did in this moment in your life was that we've talked oftentimes and heard many podcast guests say this, do what you love, do what you're passionate about. And as such, it doesn't feel like a job and it's not as much work or whatever it may be. You were working in a unique space where not only did you get the opportunity to do what you loved, you were capturing imagery of people doing what they love. Yeah. So you got to actually see the passion and the love and the yeah. fun that people got to do all yes. the time. And when you can connect to that, this is why there's two things you can do while you're on this earth. You can work a job or you can do your work. Sure. You, I just have a hard time believing that you can work a job and do your works. <laughs> like you have to, you got to pick one or the other. And... Yes, the moment I connected with other people doing what they love to do, that was that was a I wouldn't say it was a defining moment, but it was a it was like this moment of I'm home. Right. Like th- this is I love this. This is where I want to be. And uh I stayed there is until I didn't feel like I wanted to be there anymore. For sure. And that's kind of I want to go there uh as we close up the podcast, but before we do that, um Got the opportunity. So you're you're the individual that shot all the imagery on my website and my presentations, everything. And if you recall, there got to be a place where, you know, my business, like everybody, is constantly evolving, as is my product and my service and the imagery and all that stuff. And so I said, you know, I'm ready to rebrand. And uh, I feel like these pictures don't adequately represent what I do or who I am or what I stand for. And so you said, okay, so I want you to bring a series of outfits up to uh, the shop here in KCK. And uh, what I want you to do is I want you to deliver your keynote as though you'd be doing it for, you know, a thousand people. Easy enough. So we start doing it. And I love speaking. Like I love being on stage and I love and have a great deal of passion about that. And that's what you do well, especially in your particular space at the time. Um, capturing moments that showcase what people love. But in that moment, because I, I didn't have a thousand people, I'm literally, I'm just, I'm talking to you and one other person. So you say, okay, so come over here and look at this camera and see if we captured any of these stills. And I go through and they look so plain and they're the exact same images that I have on my website. I'm like, Larry, this isn't doing it. So you say, what is it that gives you strength? What do you, what's your fundamental? I remember right? this moment, yeah. So I said, dude, I love freaking music. And you said, give me some songs. Yeah. And so the first song that Molly I named Crew. is Molly Crew, yeah. Kickstart My Heart. And you put that on. And all of a sudden, fully decked out in my you know speaking outfit, bow tie and jacket and the whole nine, I just start getting it. You know, I'm dancing, I'm singing, jumping around, air guitar, drums, you name it. And we do that for about a minute and a half. And you say, come look at these photos. And I go over there and I look at the photos and I'm like, Eureka, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. And you couldn't tell that I was singing or dancing or anything like that. It looked like I was just passionate about something. And you captured that. 
And that was, it took, it took two things in that moment. Obviously, you're freaking great at capturing uh, moments uh, that really encapsulate what people love and what they're passionate about. But also what it showcases that you think well on the fly, and sometimes you have a plan, but you see that that plan's not going your way, so you have to flip the script and try something new, and that's what you did. And as a result, you know this, but I get compliments every single time I'm out about the pictures or the content or people laughing. I mean, that's the best form of of, uh, of endorsement that I can get is laughter when I flip the slide and they see a photo of me karate kicking something, and and it's you that took it. And so I just, I find that amazing that you have that skill set and knowing that you have that skill set and the whole story that I just talked about and, you know, evolving with the times, you're no longer necessarily in the photography space. Yeah. Why? Because I'm passionate about me. That's, I think that is the whole, I think that's the big thing that people are missing you you can be you can be passionate about something but if you want to be passionate about life you have to be passionate about yourself and i just i'm not going to say i move beyond photography because i love it it's still a passion but there are there are more passions for me than just photography i didn't come here to do that i i came here to discover myself and through uh and and discover myself through other people through observing which is what photography gave me really is the ability to observe other people quietly and pinpoint little uh moments where they are authentic and and I took that and I'm like I want more of that for myself like how do I get that for myself because as you 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 know my story i mean there's there's been a lots of ups and downs sure. and facing and things. Continue and, to be. Right. And so I that was my question. And I remember when it hit, it was like 2015. Uh, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm trying to be somebody. And and that was that was where I flipped the switch off. I I, I don't want to be somebody. I just want to be. I yeah. just want to be me. And and I started to really become more fascinated with Things I was discovering about myself. I, I I didn't want to be called a photographer. As a matter of fact, I removed most everything from my Facebook. Like, if you go to my Facebook, I am whatever you think I am. It's that like simple. Popeye. I am what I <laughs> I am what you think I am. Um uh yeah, I be I want people to to develop their own their own perception about me as a person because I don't care really what they think. I'm busy working on me. And and I think that passion has taken over center stage, bar none. And some, I mean, people that don't understand that would say, oh, you know, he's self-centered or, or you know, he's selfish or whatever. I'm, I'm not. But I am that if that's what you think. You know what I'm saying? But I am... I'm busy. I'm 51 years old and I and I'm an empty nester for 4 years asking myself who am I? And that has come after the photography. So my whole time my whole life I have been it it has been somebody else defining who I am. Teacher says, you know, you got a D. 
it defines you in some D, manner. D what? D. D's. You've got the D. <laughs> uh, Lori, uh, but it, every moment is defining. You know, you you are not an A student. That's a defining moment. You you are you know you are always in trouble. That's a defining moment. You know, you're really good at this. Keep doing that. We'll pay you more. That's a defining moment. Like there's all these defining moments. I was searching my entire life to have my own set of values, and I was allowing other people to do that for me to find them. Yeah. Right. All even including the photography, which I was passionate about. I just said, I'm not doing this. I will do this when I want to do this. I'm not interested in doing it because someone wants to hire me to do it because, again, it's defining. And so I have found ways to to be able to loosen up and just be, like, passionate about myself. I don't, I don't really care what people think. I mean, you know, I want them to like me, but it's not, that's not a priority. I... I I am only uh, I the people around me are only as good as I am. For sure. And I realize that. And so those that are around me including you, they they're all my teachers and I see this and I see I see my progress in other people if that even makes any sense at all. Yeah, it does. 100%. I'm living it. And I want to continue to keep doing that. And uh I'm so passionate about that that I I don't even think about at work for sure you know so everything you just said i mean we just went on a journey specifically from corporate america to something that you love and then then on to something else that you love and so there's so many takeaways there obviously you had to you had that defining moment where you really had to make a decision am i happy in this space am i happy with who i am and you gravitated towards something that gave you strength or a fundamental if you will so and here you are now working in a completely different space. So life is life is an evolution. And what you what you enjoy doing today might not be what you enjoy doing 10 years from today, but you have to consistently reassess where you are and take a look in the mirror and be happy with what you see and accept I am who I am. I am. But uh ultimately there's a lot of listeners here that, you know, one of their fundamentals is imagery or caption. So they they like their side hustle or maybe even a fun thing that they do outside of work is taking pictures in the park or posting it on social media. So what uh what little tidbits of photography advice could you get for the amateur individual that just enjoys taking a photo or two from time to time? Yeah. I mean, if you love it and you can allow it to connect to your soul, you you'll you'll do it when you want to do it. And and I think if you can keep it at that it's when you start to try to I'm not discouraging anybody from going out and earning a living doing it. There's plenty of people that are doing that. But I coming from me, having been on both ends of that, um if you're passionate about creating, you, you you're passionate about creating because you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for other people. And um I think if you can if you can uh consider maybe sharing the the space with that thought process i think you you know people will find uh their happiness in that level of creating if, if photography is what it is that you're you're using for sure is there any like in terms of capturing i know you said that you learned a lot on youtube and obviously um being an observer of of other individuals in the space 
are there any like basic techniques that the the amateur could leverage when taking a photo, say, you know, out in the park or connecting to that moment that gives them strength? Yeah. What are they? Make mistakes. Make mistakes. Yeah, Tell do, me more. Make mistakes. You you don't try to make it where you're not making any mistakes. I mean, part of cre- the creativity does not have a process. It, it is strictly what you feel is coming out of you. you. You're connecting to that. Like I said, if you can find a way to, to allow your soul to connect to that through the lens, through observing, just you know, be okay with making mistakes because you're going to see your style come out of that. And um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just believe, believe in yourself. You, you're going to, you will get there. Uh, however, the journey unfolds, you know, you'll, you'll arrive where you want to be if you just keep your mind on that. Um, as far as like techniques and stuff like that, I think really is just, you can use your iPhone. I, I know a lot of people make fun of that. I, I actually do it, to- you I know, use. from time to time. Sure. <laughs> but it's a creative tool. Yeah. So start small, you know, see how much you like uh, what you're doing and the results you're getting. If you're not, if you want a different result and it requires getting something a little bit more uh, in depth, do that. Spend the $800. Spend the 800 bucks. It was the best 800 bucks that I've spent. I can't tell you the the return on investment for that, not just monetarily, but uh, has been absolutely life-changing. I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today. Think about that. Oh, I know, man. That's but wait a, a scary second. Thought. You used to you used to you used to introduce me as a web guy. I know, but how did you get into the web space? Just because I wanted to. <laughs> I, you do what you want in this life, Paul. You don't have to have the experience. That's the whole point of yeah, fundamentalism. That's right. Gravitating towards the things that give that's you strength. That's right. And until they don't anymore. You know what doesn't give me strength, Larry? What? Something in your freaking thing is making my allergies go. What would your is doctor it? tell you about that? I don't I don't go to a doctor. I so know. yeah. I'm just messing with allergies? you. Allergies? Allergies. I must have my allergies. They're I've, all. I've got something for that. What is it? Yeah. What are you Larry, you are uh, one of the most downloaded uh, podcasts of all time. Uh, consistently, everyone that you drop or that we drop that has or features you is uh, very popular. Your style contrasts greatly with mine. I think that people relate very, very strongly to uh, your openness, uh, your humble nature, the vulnerability that you share, but also your story. And uh, we haven't even got to the half of it. There's so many different layers. So as always, we greatly appreciate you being on. Um any parting words of wisdom? I mean, you just dropped a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that I should force you in a box. Everybody's got their wisdom. You just got to dig a little bit. That's true. Like yep. I've been in my nose this whole time. Yeah, I know. Do you hear it? Well, I was kind of feeling that. You're kind of like a mirror for me today. Yeah, because you. Yeah, because I was doing it too, right? <laughs> I was like, "What's going on here?" Paul's doing a little mirroring technique, right? For you guys can't see this, but he really he was mirroring and and whatever you call that. Psychological stuff. Marrying for gold, I NLP, think is what we call it. Neuro linguistic program. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I know exactly what you were doing. So, speaking of neuro linguistic programming, I wish I could find a way to uh, subconsciously get you to go out and create some fun in your day today, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm going to be more direct. Go out and create some fun in your day, and hopefully in the lives of others. As always, we greatly appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you on the flip side. Until then, deuces!